We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Here's what he did. Rhyme it. Do you know how to rhyme it? Oh, please just rhyme it. And he really gets into it. Do you know how to rhyme it? We will be rocking in LA. So let's rhyme it today. Let's rhyme it. Yes. We are going to rhyme it. Just yeah, rhyme That's it. where he just Ooh, rammed it. I like everybody rhyme it. it. We'll be rocking in LA. Say hello to the Rams today and ram it. I mean, he, now he's like on his feet. Ram it. <laughs> wow. Ram it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Rams Brothers the Pod, episode 30. Wow. And I'm joined weekly by my my sidekick. Forget calling him a co-host. He's, he's my brother. And today is his birthday. So happy birthday, Nick. And we're just going to let you run the show. Does that sound good? Nope. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to let you run the show. Uh, you're going to uh, do a good job like you always do. I'm happy to be here, happy to be a part of it. Uh, not ready for that responsibility just yet. <laughs> well, this, this was your your huge opportunity to be able to take over the show. It's your birthday. You're 25. I just, I, yeah, I, th- I think that you, know, you, you I think it, you can uh, handle I'll it. I'll do it when I'm good and ready. You know, Mike, uh, Mike in Monsters, Inc., uh, he doesn't come to star until the end of the first movie. And, uh, you know, I just need time to hone my comedic skills to tell those dope jokes like he does. So in, until then, Sully is going to, you know, 
to be there for Boo. He's going to please Mr. Waternoose, and he's going to run the show. Okay, whatever. We're coming off of two losses, Nick, in five days, and it's been a full weekend without Rams football. Did you, by any chance, enjoy one second of kicking back and watching the games without stressing over the Rams? Uh, yeah, I did. And uh, during, uh, during the game in Seattle, I mean, I was, a, I was a lunatic. I don't remember the last time I was that cr- Probably the Super Bowl was the last time I was watching a game that intently because it just felt like a, like, like a we can't lose this game. And I think we did a really good job in the game, and we showed some really, you know, valiant uh, efforts in coming back. And so I, I don't feel as bad about it, and I and I still feel like our team is really good. I think we're in a really tough division. So I was able to sit back Sunday and kind of just watch the games and enjoy them. Um, I wasn't really watching with much intensity. Uh, I actually fell asleep for a good portion of the games, <laughs> and I was happy to see a lot of upsets. I'm glad that the Raiders beat uh, the Bears. And a lot of good teams are three and two right now, but uh, yeah, I felt fine. I and and I, I still do feel really good about this team. Yeah, I think you have a, a pretty valid reason to. And you know, your prediction was spot on with the fact that you thought Greg Deleg was going to nail a uh, field goal to win the game. You thought it was going to be a one point game down to the last second. You know, I think that that was a really solid prediction. And you know, you should feel fine about the team. I think that you know, after you know the fact that it's been two losses in five days. Kind of rubs all Rams fans the wrong way, but aside from that, there were some really positive things within this game that we'll talk about. And Nick, you know, on your birthday last year, it was actually October seventh of of last year that the Rams beat Seattle thirty three to thirty one, and we were on our way to an eight zero start. So it's it's just different from the way that it felt last year. But the reason we were so spoiled last year by winning <laughs> eight games in a row, it's almost like we we forgot how to lose. And I remember when we lost against the Eagles. I know that's a, that hurts extra because we're we live in that and we live in an Eagles nation. But you and I were like at, were just so at each other's throats and mad at that loss. And it's Goff actually put it put it perfectly when he said the Patriots were three and two last year and they went on to win the Super Bowl. I hope that the same thing happens for the Rams. The likelihood of that happening now is obviously lower. The fact that they're three and two, but they're not necessarily digging themselves out of a hole. Like, you know, it, the fact that they're 3-2 and two is not the worst scenario in the entire world. They have a couple games coming up, obviously, two against against Arizona and two against San Francisco that are all winnable games, all games within the division that are winnable games. So the likelihood of them, them coming back, I think, is high. And, you know, from the perspective of, you know, going 9-2, and two, which is why we, we named this episode 9-2, and two, it's because, you you know, if you're, you become 9-2 and two over the next 11 games, you're going to be 12-4 and four and likely a top seed and we'll have that first round bye and then a divisional game at home. And, Nick, it's just insane because the likelihood of the Rams not scoring a, a first quarter touchdown in this entire season is really low. They did it four or five games last year in the beginning of the season. So it's it's just a very unlikely start. You thought, you know, there's there's a chance that they lose two or three games within the first five, especially because we were hearing all these expert predictions and all this analysis that you know, the team was completely different and from everybody internally we were pretty confident that the team was going to continue to progress and aside from that the Rams are still a top 10 offense and are averaging 29 points per game and our top five in total offense which is yards per game this year uh, but you know obviously there are some hurdles and there's some big slices of humble pie along the way yeah and there's some hurdles but what I am actually liking now what I'm seeing on social media is there is a there's there's more of a respect uh, to the Rams in general, and also to uh, Rams fans, which hasn't really been 
and has been absolutely zero respect um, every other year, especially since we moved to Los Angeles. So I, I think we have made a voice for ourselves in the NFL, which is something that you do when you go to the Super Bowl. And I think we have a good enough team to continue that and keep us, you know, in the kind of uh, in the talks between all of the uh, all the commentators and whatnot, which really isn't that important. But if you're someone like me who enjoys that kind of content, it is nice to actually finally see your team be represented because for so long it was just we were just so bad and so insignificant that people would we were like not never talked about. So it's nice that. People are actually kind of giving a crap about our team for once. Yeah, it's nice. And then you look at the other side, too, with the L.A. Chargers, and they're a train wreck. That stadium was, yeah, was insanely filled with, with Broncos fans yesterday. It is a shame. And the owner, you know, Dean Spanos, had an opportunity to move to L.A. for revenue reasons, and you know, they felt like they had a solid opportunity to glom on to Stan Kroenke and be in SoFi Stadium and you know, share the rights to that field. But it's, it's not working out that way. So, you know, the Los Angeles Rams are no longer the laughing stock when it comes to fandom. It's more so the Los Angeles Chargers. And it just so happens to hap- you know, happen in the same state. So it, it works out in our benefit, you know, for fans' benefits. Um, but, you know, all of that aside, Nick, you know, you look at the team now, uh, you know, us being 3-2. and two, And today is a brand new day, right? It's Monday. We have, you know, a full week ahead of us to prepare for the 49ers. So we're going to be coming off of a short week. And, you know, we look at ourselves in the mirror. You and I look at ourselves in the mirror. We just see two regular podcasters. But the Rams look at themselves (laughs) in the mirror, and they probably say, yeah, we've improved for the most part. And, you know, keep in mind, Nick, that Russell Wilson is absolutely playing out of his mind and is the unanimous MVP of the NFC right now. So, you know, he's fumbled a couple times, but he's yet to throw an interception. So from that perspective, you know, you're dealing with, on the other side, one of the best offensive players you know, in the last, I don't know, 20, 25 years from the quarterback position, one of the more athletic players can stay in the pocket, can scramble, can find Tyler Lockett in the back of the end zone, from, you know, after scrambling around for 10 seconds. It just burns out your defense. So, you know, you have to keep all those things in mind when, you you know, you realize you only lost by one point in Seattle. Yeah, which is a very tough stadium to play at. Um, and it's a game that we should have won and we could have won. But... You know, things kind of don't go your way sometimes. And Clay got that ridiculous call, um, the roughing the passer, even though he hit him with his shoulder pad and didn't even tackle him. So I don't even know where and how you can argue that was roughing the passer. Um, and then you missed the field goal. A lot, just a lot didn't go our way. We didn't capitalize on the interception in the beginning. I'm beginning to think an interception from us in the beginning is actually a bad omen. It just gives me really bad Super Bowl vibes. And we, we have to... What, just a turnover in general? Yeah, a turnover in, gen, in general early is just scary for me Yeah. Um, now. But regardless, we have to we have to get those early touchdowns because they came back to bite us. And look, we, we lost by a point. Yeah, we're so losing opportunities, of, Nick. And I think the reason why you, know, you bring that up too, it's you look at the turnovers from from the Rams' perspective, and if they're happening early on in the games and we're only converting with a field goal, you know, it's leaving a ton of, of points on the board, and, you know, it, it leaves opportunities to convert on touchdowns. And it's just the difference in a lot of these games, late, especially late in the game when we have an opportunity to go up and kick a field goal and win the game. Yeah, it's just, um, it would, yeah. I mean, I, as everybody knows, it was difficult to watch them lose two games in a row like that. 
nothing that we're not used to. I mean, especially us watching them lose like seven games in a row and whatnot back in the past. But it's uh, it just stings a little more because it's Seattle. And credit where credit is due, like you were saying, Russell Wilson is he's a freaking god, man. I mean, he looked like <laughs> like on the run making like a deep throw like that. I mean, the only time I saw Goff ever do that was on Thursday night. Uh, against the Vikings last year when you hit Cup in stride in the end zone. So uh, to have a QB that's just going to be doing that every game is uh, good for Seattle, I guess. You know, if they weren't <laughs> if they weren't in my division, I would probably, you know, really enjoy watching them more because just purely from a football perspective, Russell Wilson is just a, a, a incredible talent. Couldn't agree more. And I, I think aside from going through the entire game, and we've done that in previous episodes, we're going to completely skip the full game recap because, you know, we all watch the game. There's no reason to go play-by-play. But I think that the best way, Nick, for us to break this all down is just kind of pulling away some positives from this game that we saw and being able to just break down certain situations, certain plays, but not going too, too specific into the game recap. Because, Nick, when you when you look at it, you watch the game again, the offensive line. It's essentially like a tie game. Yeah, it is. After the first half, it's essentially a tie game. Um, and, you know, watch, watching the offensive line, they look so much more stable. Um, you know, Baldinger tweeted a video, and we love Baldy's breakdowns. He tweeted a video. Yeah, that, was, uh, that was incredible. On Andrew Whitworth, right? He was just sprinting down the field, was making blocks down the field. I don't know what, like Baldy said, I don't know what kind of 37-year-old is able to run down the field and make those kind of plays. Then you got Aaron Donald, who's giving guys like like Dante Fowler and Clay Matthews really solid opportunities to bring down Russell Wilson. So, it, you know, from that perspective, it was it was a really strong opportunity from the Rams to to make some plays on Russell Wilson and bring him down. Yeah, and uh, just for the Rams to kind of uh, come, I mean. We were up and we, we scored the first uh, the first six, but after that we're playing from behind, and to just kind of you know continuously move from behind like that and keep the game very close is something that's I mean I I tweeted it but I'm, I'm going to say it again we're in every single game until the very end which is the sign of a really good team. Yeah, it is, and when teams are able to to fight back due to adversities and due to you know offensive line changeups and injuries and all these different things you know it, it just goes to show that you know we have a great coach we have some great pillars in, in Donald and Goff and Gurley and some other players obviously on the defensive end that have been playing really well and it's a shame that we lost Clay Matthews because he's been playing out of his mind um, but you know aside from that you look at you know, the different personnel groupings on offense, what they were doing to really kind of keep the defense on their toes. And Seattle wasn't necessarily bringing that, that 6-1 defensive front like a lot of other teams have been doing. But the Rams were getting creative with that 12 personnel grouping. Uh, Cooper Cup was coming on and off the field. We saw a lot of Gerald Everett. Uh, we saw a lot of Tyler Higby. We and, saw some Reynolds, even. Yeah, we even saw some Josh Reynolds. And you know, from from and you know, after the Brandon Cooks injury, you have to figure out a way to fill that void. But you know, you you have some other players like Gerald Everett and Cooper Cup that have been playing out of their minds. You know, aside of the say, um, Cup is a uh, Cup is an elite receiver. One, that's number one. But two, I I'm very happy, which is something that we, you and I criticized a lot last year. Um, they are showing Everett and Higby, but mainly Everett, uh, a lot more reps, and he's getting the ball a lot more. And these guys are tanks. You know what I mean? Like. They get hit, they stay up, and I'm loving that McVay's finally putting them into more plays. Yeah, Gerald Everett had a career high of seven catches for 136 yards on 11 targets. 
and Everett, uh, Everett also is the only reason that Goff has a uh, had an interception that game, which is where I turned the game off. <laughs> yeah, well, I was generally surprised that he scored over ninety on the PFF rankings too because of that drop, Nick. I mean, after that interception, I, I actually honestly couldn't believe that uh, that Thompson was able to get his hand under that. It was one of the most unbelievable plays we've seen all year. But he does, you know, he makes the play. Uh, and you're, you know, you're kind of watching Gerald Everett's reaction, and you know it's unfortunate because he was playing so well. Um, and right, right before that play was a drop ball by Cooper Cup. Right. Yeah. It's it's and it's strange because those are obviously our top performing players. They were top five in PFF rankings thanks to Ramswire for providing that list. You know, we were looking at at Everett was at ninety point three, Higby was at ninety two point nine, uh, Whitworth scored high over eighty, Cooper Cup was at seventy seven point seven, Goff was at seventy seven point six. Uh, you know, these these all these guys played pretty well for the most part in that game and. You know, we were talking about Whitworth and the way that he was absolutely dominant uh, from the left side, and, and Cooper Cup, who was re- who was leading the entire NFL, Nick, in receiving before Sunday, and now it's Michael Thomas, Amari Cooper, Chris Godwin, but it's all by less than 50 yards, and Cooper Cup has has really came into the role and has developed into a, an unbelievable player. Yeah, and uh, he's just somebody that's really fun to watch. Same with Cooks, and and uh, you know, the whole game is diff- there's just so many little things that happen. In in that game, that just changed the entire, um, per, like the entire perception of the game. Cup doesn't drop that ball; it's completely different. Um, Woods keeps his feet down in the end zone; it's completely different. Matthews doesn't get called. Greg doesn't miss the kick. I mean, we almost overcame all of that. It's crazy, but you know, lo and behold, we're three and two. Yeah, I mean, even on that last drive, the ball that hit Chris Carson's hands and bobbled up and down, and he makes a catch. That's completely heartbreaking. And then, you know, that interception and on the next drive, the Rams forced Seattle to go three and out. And then they had a chance, like you said, when Nick, when you turn off the TV, they had a chance still with Brandon with no Brandon Cooks to aggressively push the ball down the field and executed multiple times on crossing and out routes to Woods, Cup, Everett, uh, Higby, I think, a couple times. So you know, there was there's a lot of positives to take away from this game, especially within the Rams' two-minute offense, Nick. They ran 10 plays in a minute and 27 seconds, and they were still able to set up Greg the leg for a 44-yard field goal to win the game. So you can't be mad at anything that happened within you know the last couple drives of the game. The Rams came out in the early off in the second half and we're strong, and we're giving the ball to Todd Gurley, even though he only had 15 carries. There's a lot there, Nick, that, that we're able to take away and bring into the game against San Francisco and say, look, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, I just want to know um, how the Ramily kind of feels about Gurley, because to me, it seems like there's a problem. And I don't I, you know, I hate when other people say that, especially people who are like friends of mine who know I'm a Rams fan are like, so Gurley's just not the same. And I've been defending him all offseason. And, you know, you're on the opposite end of the spectrum. You think he played a great game. I didn't see it. I'm watching other running backs. I'm watching them break holes. I'm watching them play to a level that is moving the offense. And I'm just not seeing that out of Todd Gurley. It's it's tough. Yeah, I mean, it's, he's I, like he's the missing piece. I think the Ramley's pulse on Todd Gurley is, and I'm not going to speak for the entire Ramley, but the spurts that you see him, uh, you know, the way that he's able to run through people and make some of those those initial cuts and still run downfield, 
and downhill, I think is what we're seeing from him. It's like flashes of brilliance that we've seen in the past with previous Todd Gurley seasons. And, you know, once he gets to that, that 17, 18 carry mark, he starts to get a little bit tougher in previous seasons. And he's on a pitch count this year. So you have to take that into account. And the offensive line is, is partially new. So there are things that I would contribute to his lack of success that I don't necessarily think are fair to him, you know, in terms of ranking him. Uh, you know, in in the retrospect of every other running back that's currently playing right now, just because of the circumstance, right? And I, I and you were saying the same thing that I was saying, which was a lot of it lies on the offensive line, and like you know, Gurley's not going to be able to make moves if holes are not there. And but you said it yourself, our offensive line clearly stepped it up last game, and I don't know if that's Seattle just not having the best defense, or if that's you know just our offensive line playing better. But either way, we didn't see a difference in performance from Gurley. I mean, maybe slightly. He got a couple rushing touchdowns, but, you know, it's not like he brought us to those positions on the field. Yeah, that's true. One of Gurley's touchdowns was from Everett, you know, making a great play on a catch across the middle of the field when Goff was scrambling and had pressure in his face. He extended his arm, and we all thought that was a touchdown. And then Gurley ended up scoring, and Goff wasn't able to convert in the two-point conversion. But, you know, there was a lot. you know... You look at that on our turf, and you probably would say that that was a that was a touchdown. I mean, I, that was really, really close. Yeah, I, I think it was a touchdown too, and they didn't even get a chance to review it. So I they I guess they were confident in the fact that you know Blythe was going to get a good push up front, and Gurley was going to be able to sneak in, and that's exactly what happened, as called by Joe Buck. Um, but Nick, let's you know. We're, there's a couple other things, too, that, that kind of happened behind the scenes of this game that I thought were pretty important um, that I wanted to discuss because it's not only is it positive, but they're, they're pretty fair questions that we could ask each other. And then we can then in turn ask the Ramley on Twitter uh, if we so decide to. But, you know, I, I think that, you know, the Rams pulling a higher rating than the L.A. Dodgers in that in that day. Um, I think that that's a pretty interesting story in itself. The fact that football is truly back in Los Angeles and that Los Angeles is truly a Rams town. Yeah, I I was completely shocked because it's no it's it's, it's postseason in baseball. So I mean, like I would think, and especially since the Dodgers are such a solid team, I would really, I was just really surprised. I don't know how baseball ratings go because I'm I'm not a really fan of the sport, so I don't know if they're usually like on par with football or like a little lower. I mean, like they're probably around. I mean, playoff baseball, I would hope to be around at least regular season. Uh, basketball. I don't know though uh, offhand, but regardless, that just made me. Um, I was really happy because it, it it's clear that the LA has found their team. Yeah, I think you can you can contribute it to that, and also you know the opponent being the Washington Nationals, and you know LA baseball fans are just dying for a World Series. You know they lost two in a row the last couple of years, and. You know, if they lose a third in a row, it's going to be completely demoralizing. And you know, you have the Rams losing Super Bowls in the background, so <laughs> somebody's got to something's got to give here, right? Um, yeah. But the fact is that you know, viewership is being split across both teams. I think that Los Angeles is truly a Rams town. But now let's get some of these uh, some of these problems fixed. Yeah. Let's uh, let's fix them and let's win some uh, championships in Los Angeles. Yeah, I think that I think that that's a good idea. Should we just end the podcast now? Yeah. Lakers. <laughs> Lakers victory, uh, uh, Dodgers victory, Rams victory, and you know what? You might as well throw in the Kings. Who cares? Yeah, why not? 
but I don't know, Nick. Let me ask you this: Now that we're we're banking on championships, because three weeks into the season, Nick, we were banking on the defense, and now that the Rams, uh, you know, are are having some problems with their secondary, and you know, Marcus Peters and Akeem Talib are coming up on contracts. Uh, you know, what do you, you think? Are you going to ask me if I want to trade them? I'm not going to ask you if, if you're going to trade them. I just want you. I want to get your feel for what's going on with them this season and how you feel about them. Uh, I, Peters, man. I mean, it looked like I like you throw me out there. I can do better. <laughs> and no, I'm, I'm like, is he even like on our team? Sometimes it's so hard to say this because this was me like all the first half of the season last year. And then, but what happened last year was Tlaib came back and Peters kind of figured it out a little bit. Um, clearly, Tlaib is here and Peters doesn't know what the heck he's doing. And then, and then like, you throw in Weddle to the mix, who's supposed to be this captain, and our defense is, is worse than last year, just straight up. So I don't, I don't even know what what to do with Peter. Well, they were better in the first three weeks, right? The first three four weeks, they were they were solid, and we were leaning on them. And then the Tampa Bay game happened, and we don't know what happened to our secondary. But I think that there's a chance, Nick, that after this year, and I'm not trying to look too too forward into what's going to happen at the end of this year. But I think there's a solid chance that they're both gone. I mean, Talib is making eight million dollars this yeah, year. I was going to say Talib's eight million. Peters is what nine million. So yeah. that's, that's a lot of the cap space. Yeah, it is. And you know, if you move on from from Marcus Peters in a trade this year, um, you know, there's a chance that that's going to happen, or he just plays out of that contract and goes elsewhere. Because I don't think that there's any chance that he's willing to accept five or six million dollars. And it's hard to warrant giving him a contract extension for eleven or twelve million dollars. So wh- I don't know what's going to happen there between the two of them, but they have to figure it out before the year ends. I mean, I don't even like he single-handedly gave up those points. In the Tampa Bay game, um, like towards the end in the last quarter, and then he got the pick six. So I mean, that's not enough for me. Uh, for me though, because at that point the game is forty to forty-five. So we still need to come back with like no timeouts and like win this game at the very end. It's like, oh guys, I, you know, I, I saved us. Now they only have forty-five points, and I got us <laughs> seven. It's like, dude, <laughs> the game is like over. I love that we had a chance to drive down the field, but Jesus, it was like it, it was just a lot. I think we had to drive down the field because then eventually they ended up hitting a field goal. So we had to drive down the field and then get the two point conversion to tie to go in the overtime. So you know, yeah, it's a lot. Too much work, uh, and you you know you shouldn't ever be in that position against Tampa Bay. But it's I just think it's hard to warrant you know either of the seeing either of them back next year. And you look at, Nick, I also wanted to ask you, I, I wonder who the next man up is for Clay Matthews because, you you know, you obviously Ibokum. think it's... It's Ibokum. Yeah, it's, it's going to be Ibokum or Abraham or whatever you want to call him. The Trez Patrick probably will fill in a little bit. And then Oboe, you know, you'll see a little bit of Oboe. I know the Rams fan loves, loves to hear the famous Oboe is going to be playing this week. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for Oboe. He'll be all over the field. Um I think that they're going to be fine. I don't really think that they need to bring anybody else in from that position. When Bryce Hager went down, no. they brought in Troy Reader from Udell, came off the streets and played well. So they'll be Clay, fine. Clay was doing so well, I literally bought a Clay Matthews jersey. And then, <laughs> and then he literally gets injured. So here's no. the sequence of events. The Rams lose to Seattle by one point on Thursday night. Friday morning, we get a FedEx package delivery to Nick Vespi. 
Clay Matthews jersey. Is that really what happened? Because I didn't even open the box. Nobody yeah. even told me that that arrived. And then after the box was opened, I checked Twitter and realized that Clay Matthews' jaw was broken. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for letting me know that my jersey came. <laughs> well, I think that um, you're still going to have to wear that jersey in spirit of Clay because either Abukam or Oboe or Patrick or whoever it is that fills in there is going to make an impact. So wear it I in knew, spirit of those I guys. I knew I should have got the, the Abukam jersey. But yeah. anyway, I mean, no, I mean, I'm – I'm legitimately happy that I got the clay jersey. I love that he's a Ram, um, and I got it in the uh, in the white color, which is the jersey, which is the one Rams color I don't have yet. So I think that's pretty solid. Yeah, I do too. That's the one jersey that you're missing from your collection. Yeah, or, or color at least I should say. Exactly. You still need to get that Donald jersey. Yeah, I'm getting it. Don't worry. Um, I, I already ordered it. It's coming. But let me ask you, you know, we, we talked about Clay Matthews. We talked about Marcus Peters and Aqib Tlaib. Let me ask you about Brandon Cooks because, you know, he was he had 12 targets in the Cleveland game. He showed up a little bit. Uh, he made a big play on third down in this game against Seattle and then was knocked out unconscious, knocked out cold, as he typically is probably at what? twice three times a year so far in his career uh, that's, it's so scary it's just unfortunate man. he just gets knocked out like that yeah it is i mean he really gets knocked out and he's tiny and you know you're thinking nick with the personnel groupings and i brought this up a little bit early in the show and i'll touch on it really really quickly here but that 12 personnel grouping that kept cooper cup off the field included brandon cooks now they're only running that three percent of the time right now so i just think that that number is going to increase just because it's a great way to come back that six to one defense but aside from that, Nick, you know, they're running 153 plays so far this season from 11 personnel, which consumes 85% of their entire play call. And that's, you know, the other 12% is from 10 personnel, which mostly comes uh, from, you know, four receiver sets. And, you know, when there's, you know, there's two minutes left and they're playing from behind. But aside from that, Nick, I don't know if Brandon Cooks is the odd man out. And it's starting to feel like if he doesn't produce like he did in Cleveland and he's not able to take the top off the defense, and it, it's not likely that he can against the 6-1 to one front because you got seven guys on the line of scrimmage, and then you got four other guys that are just hanging around on defense that are waiting for somebody to go deep or waiting for somebody to expose the middle of the field. So there's always going to be somebody back. Where do you think Brandon Cooks fits in in this equation? I, I really hope um, – I mean, it seems like people know what we're doing. I mean, I guess when you're the team in the Super Bowl – uh, people want to kind of knock you down a peg, even though we didn't even win. But regardless, it seems like a lot of McVay's play calling is kind of uh, – it's more known. I mean, the same thing happened to Pete Carroll when he was in the league. And you're watching it now with, with, with new head coaches like LaFleur. It's like they're doing really well because people just genuinely don't know what is going to happen with, with these teams, what kind of plays they're going to call. So maybe part of it is McVay getting figured out. I hope – that we have Cooks because that's just my favorite kind of play is a Brandon Cooks play. He's such a good asset on asset on the field. He, the way he's so small, but he managed like he brings the ball in. I mean, with him fighting with the uh, with that defender um, while the ball is coming down and bring, somehow bringing it in is just you know incredibly commendable to watch. It's just the problem is against the six and one defense, he's not as vital. And it's going to be harder for Goff to hit him deep down the field because there are so many safeties. Um, I, he's just somebody that I'm always happy to see getting the ball because he's someone who'll catch the ball, and he's probably not getting many yards after the catch, but he's already so deep that it's already, you know, it's already a huge chunk 
uh, of the field already taken up. Like in the Saints game when Goff hit him down the field early on in the first half. That was uh, that was my favorite play of the of the maybe besides Cup just driving down almost the entirety of the field. But yeah, Cooks is uh, he's vital. He's a huge part of our offense. I hope he we can find more plays for him to fit. But it's going to be tough when people seem to have discovered how McVay is running his offense. Yeah, we would love Brandon Cook as that piece over the top where he could take advantage of the defense and you know hopefully exploit the defense and make a big play but Nicky had 12 targets in the Cleveland game he had nine in the game against Tampa Bay but he's been a little bit underwhelming for the other three games and a lot of it like you said has to do with the defense is being played the rushing attack they're not setting up the pass as much they're not going as much with the play action so it's a different kind of scheme and you know like you said Cooper Cup Gerald Everett is becoming a vital piece of the offense and same with uh, Tyler Higby and Robert Woods obviously is getting a ton of targets so you know there's only one football man yeah, it can only go to so many places. And even Gurley's getting a lot of targets, but I think his um, his hands need to be a little more cleaner, and he's got to drop the ball less. Um, and I, look, look, we have so many weapons, and Goff is dropping back a lot, but yet it, you know, we still want to see the ball being run more. Yeah, exactly. We do. We're going to see the ball being run more, I think, at home against San Francisco. We'll see more of Gurley. We'll see more of a rushing attack. At least early on, you know, I think they were trying to replicate that formula against Seattle, and obviously the circumstances changed a little bit, and they weren't able to convert those touchdowns. But aside from that, you're going to see more Todd Gurley, I think, all the way around. I really hope so. Yeah. So, Nick, let's jump into the trade rumors, because it the trade rumors have been swirling around and has been consuming Rams Twitter. Uh, everybody has been kind of going back and forth with players that they think that they're interested in or players that they think we could bring in immediately without kind of looking at the cap restrictions. So let's talk about some of those players, right? The first player that comes to mind is Trent Williams. and uh, Trent, Trent Williams is all over Rams Reddit, and people are curious. It's like, do we really need him? What really does he bring? Um, I mean, he's, he's already 31, but I mean, to me – you look at it, he's a future Hall of Famer. He's a seven-time pro bowler. Uh, and, and he's not even playing this year due to a holdout. And, it, you know, his cap is a little dramatic, considering he's owed $17 million over the next two years. But, I mean, this is a kind of guy that is just will make the holes that Gurley needs. Because right now, I mean, we can put the blame on Gurley or McVay as much as we want. It comes down to the O-line not giving him holes to hit. Yeah, above everything else, Nick, you know, we would be looking also for, and I know it's hard to look too far into the future, but Andrew Whitworth's replacement, right? So they're they're grooming Nopum to be that that player, but obviously Trent Williams is a much bigger time of a player. He's going to be that immediate impact player, hopefully, uh, Look, and he's only the age if, of 31, so. If Nopum can be that guy, like, you know, Trent Williams is, right now, he's the name that's flashy and exciting. But if Nopum can be that guy, I am all for it. I love it coming from internally. Um, it's like promoting a manager from uh, from somebody who wasn't a manager prior in the company, which, I'm, you know, I'm all for. Personally, it's a good way to run a business, I think, um, as, opposed to, as opposed to getting some, you know, exterior third-party person well look at but sean mcveigh he had every job in the business and he worked his way all the way up to head coach and it, like you said it's it's good exposure to every piece of of the puzzle and that's you know what what we would kind of be looking for with no boom hopefully he takes that next step yeah i mean I, I would love him to and i would love there's a lot of doubters on the on the, on the reddit about trent williams and how we don't really need this guy um to me it comes down to a window because i mean Let's be honest, the Rams are in the Super Bowl window right now. 
Um, not every team can be the Patriots and just be dominant and have a crappy division and walk in the AFC Championship every freaking year. Um, so I think there is a true argument as to why we need Trent right now, and I'm totally okay with that. Um, at the same time, I think no boom can and will step up, but if they decide to go with Trent, you know, I'm all for it. Yeah, I think we are okay with what we have, and you got to look at Trent Williams, what his cap and cash hits would be for this year and next year. So he would be owed $11.2 million this year would be a cap hit, and then the next year would be $12.5 million to whatever new team brings him in over the next two years. But by comparison, Nick, Whitworth is making $10 million in base salary, and then, you know, it's a six, $16 million cap hit. So, you know, we would be bringing him in potentially when the season ends as an option B. Um, but, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, Wick could have even two more years after this year. I mean, I don't I don't truly know his plans. I mean, it seemed like after the Super Bowl loss, everyone was like retiring, retiring. But he seemed to get on the phone and call McVeigh, I think it was, what, like the next day or something? <laughs> yeah, he was ready to work out the next day. He wanted to come back into uh, the facilities and get a lift in. Yeah, so, I mean, that's exactly the kind of mindset that we want. Uh, it actually is inspiring me to get a lift in right now. I wish I could, um, <laughs> but I already had got one in today. So. No, seriously, I think Donald Donald came off the podium, and in the next two days he was in the he was in the weight room. So, I mean, these guys are ready to go. And like you said, Whitworth, who knows what's going to happen with him after the season, but it's something to keep in mind because it's been swirling around Rams Twitter. And Nick, also Bill Barnwell of ESPN, he tweeted an article this, uh, I think it was yesterday morning, titled 10 NFL Trade Candidates for Jalen Ramsey and Proposing Deals That Make Sense. And for the Rams, this is what he put together. A 2020 first round pick, 2021 second round pick, and a 2022 second round pick and Marcus Peters. What do you think of that, Nick? That would be for Jalen Ramsey and a conditional fourth-round pick. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, I mean, you know, Bill uh, Barnwell put together this list, and he, it seemed like he kind of just put together a list of good teams that would take him. Like, realistically, Ramsey goes to, like, you know, some, like the box or something, like where Sue would go. Just like somewhere that he's that the Jags would kind of dump him and make him a non-threat, and you know I know the Rams and the Jags kind of have uh, a little trade, uh, you know, uh, history together with uh, who was from the Jags that we have right now, Dante Fowler. Yeah, Fowler. I mean, and and that has been so good for us. I love that we have Fowler. Um, I just don't think it's likely that that we get him, and I would love him, but let's give Peters a little more of a chance. And I know everybody wants to come down on Peters hard. It's been all over social media how he just hasn't covered anybody. But he really stepped up towards the end of the season last year. And a lot of that was when Tlaib came back. But, you know, I think them together is a, is a good threat. And they will ultimately bring the ball in enough and turn it around. I mean, you know, Peters is like the Richard Sherman kind of player. Like, had Sherman had two interceptions or no interceptions all last year. And now he's already got two this year. Yeah. So, you know, it's like these guys are a gamble. So as much as I think Ramsey is a great player and I'd love to have him on my team, I just don't see it as a possibility. Yeah, and Peters, Nick, is ranked ninth overall in terms of quarter cornerbacks uh, on pro football focus. So, you know, for how bad people think he has been, especially on Twitter, he hasn't been as bad as it really seems. And, you know, you look at the other side too, Jalen Ramsey would only be owed $3.6 million this year, but next year he's the richest cornerback in football. 
So what are you supposed to do with a hand? I mean, if you go off of Twitter, too, then Goff is an awful quarterback, and that's just not even close to the truth. (laughs) That's a good point. Well, let's circle back to Dante Fowler, too, because you just brought him up. And, you know, we want to, we kind of want to see what he was being valued at in this, you know, in in the frame of last year, because he was on the trading block in Jacksonville. And Sosa wrote a really good piece uh, on potential players that are kind of in the same situation that Fowler was on last year. Uh, He mentioned players that have a high ceiling, that are low risk and high reward. Uh, And a couple of players that he mentioned were Carlos Dunlap, he thinks would be a great addition as an Ed Rusher. He loves Geno Atkins. uh, They both play for the Bengals. And he also mentioned Chris Harris Jr. as a cornerback for the Broncos. And, I mean, all of these players would cost at least $8 million this year, Nick. And aside from Jalen Ramsey, they would all, you know, cost longer in the long term. Um, But what would, it would, you know, there's some cap space options. There's potential to bring in some players. If it makes sense, the Rams staff will will evaluate the situation and they'll they'll bring in the player that makes the most sense. Yeah, it it is kind of shocking because Ramsey, you know, kind of fits right in with the, uh, with the cap space right now without any really moving of any players. So, I mean, you know, that is one big takeaway that I would like to, uh, like, if it were to happen, I can see why they would, they would like you know McVeigh and the GM to make that call because it it fits in so well right now. Of course it does. I you know it, you look at it too, and if you were to bring in Ramsey right now without moving any current pieces, that's obviously a win for this year because you mentioned the window and there is a Super Bowl window, and if you don't string together some wins at this point in the season, you know you're in trouble. Uh, but then let's look at who else who has been being talked about recently, and it's it's Jay Gruden. Uh, because he was just fired from the Washington Redskins after going 0-5 to start the season. And do you think, Nick, that Jay Gruden has a potential chance to come in and, and come and help the Rams? Well, uh, McVay actually is quoted in saying that he'll have to look later to see if there's a potential spot for him on his uh, on his team. Uh, but look, I mean, I think that's really more so than anything, just kind of like family, friends, just kind of like helping and being cordial. Um, I don't really think that there is a place for him on the Rams as much as I you know could see it potentially happening just based on the uh the relationship that the Gruden family and the the McVay family kind of have together uh I mean I don't he's a head coach I mean I don't really know more as like I think McVay could maybe call him up now that he's not a coach anymore and be like hey let me bounce a couple of these plays off of you but yeah I mean look Jay Gruden has a whole skeleton in his closet that he's got to solve before he's just going to be let back on a team, especially one of our, our caliber so easily. Yeah. Especially with that, with that, um, you know, him on the street. Maybe, yeah. I was about to like, say, is that the skeleton? Is that the skeleton you were talking about? Cause there's a video that came out with him on the street. Well, that, and also having the Washington Redskins being your, your last team and going, Oh, for four. Meanwhile, they were like in the fight to win the division last year. So yeah. I thought Before it would, Alex Smith got injured. It would have been funny if older brother John came around the corner and saw Jay laying on the street and said, said Jay, what are you doing, man? I know. What is that? Like, a, Was he at a freaking Susquehanna Bank concert? I don't even know what the <laughs> heck was going on there. That's a reference that like 0.01% of our audience will understand. Well, it's, a, it's a concert with a lawn. I don't know what they were doing. Were they in line for something? I just, I don't know. <laughs> It's like I explained it for the, for the others. <laughs> well, I had to. There's 99.9% others that have to hear the, what it means. But yeah, no, it's, it's a 0.01% joke. It's such a weird, um, 
a weird situation to find that video when you're just kind of scrolling through Twitter. I know. I mean, I don't even know if it's really him. And it kind of disappeared. Either it was a solid move on the PR team of the Gruden family or it, was, uh, it wasn't it was actually him. So, you know, let's just – I mean, Jay Gruden, good luck with your skeleton. Let's look at the future <laughs> that the Rams have. I mean, we have the 49ers at home, yeah. Then we have the Falcons in Atlanta, Bengals in London, which I think is actually technically a home game for us. It is. And then the Steelers in Pittsburgh. So you look at that schedule – and you just you have to go four and zero. I mean, you you don't. I mean, look at the Texans last year. They went zero and three, and then they won ten games in a row. So that losing three games in the beginning of the season is not the worst thing in the whole world. But for you and I, maybe it is. I mean, because after that we have Bears at home Sunday night, Ravens at home Monday night, and then Cardinals at home, Seahawks in Dallas, in San Francisco, Cardinals at home again. So our schedule really is opening up right now. For us to like kind of dominate some teams that we're clearly better than. So we have to capitalize on that. Especially I mean, like, you know, all the media and all the talk, that's one thing. But it I'm not gonna lie, it's nice to have that on your side. I mean, the players gotta listen to it. I mean, they say that that they block out the noise, but it's not bad when you're hearing people say that you're doing well. Right. Yeah. I mean that's at this point, you know, I don't think that the Rams are happy with their performances, but you know, I think that you know, they have an opportunity now to go nine and two, which is why we named the episode "Let's Go Nine and Two, and a chance if, to go chance to go four now. Next week, we have to name the episode. Next week, we're not going nine and two. <laughs> <laughs> fair, I think that that's fair because yeah, we're getting a little bit cocky and. Um, you know, we can't expect a 12 and four season after starting three and two, but there is opportunity in the next four games to collect four wins. Uh, two of these teams, obviously Cincinnati and the Steelers are one win teams. And I think the Falcons are, I'm, I'm sorry, the Cincinnati Bengals don't have any wins. The Falcons Bengals only have, have no one wins. win. The Falcons have one win. Right, right. So, I mean, yeah, you, you got to get Steel. through, you got to get through San Francisco at home and Nick, you know, this was all happening last night as we were watching the game. But, you know, you're kind of looking at the dominant ground game. You're looking at, you know, Breida and Tevin Coleman as they racked up over 200 rushing yards. They're going to be dominant up front. We're going to have to figure out a way to dominate the line of scrimmage and focus on Garoppolo and make him beat us. The same way that teams do to Jared Goff. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, it's, you know, everybody wants to talk about how the Niners are this dominant team. They're, they've been playing very bad teams. I mean, the teams that the Rams played, their combined record – is 20 and 6 including away games. So the Rams have faced formidable foes. Um, the 49ers not so much. <laughs> 49ers are going to be difficult I think regardless. Just because uh, you know it's it's division. It's, it's a it's division a, game. It's a right. game, yeah. If you look at the team, I mean the game has already started so I mean, the 49ers have just been dominant on the ground and the first play of the game was a freaking, you know, just straight Touchdown. So a, a running touchdown. So that's something that we're going to have to sh- uh, shut off. Yeah. They have plenty of weapons. Obviously, uh, Brianna and Tevin Coleman out of the backfield. But George Kittle is slowly becoming the best tight end in football, which stinks because I feel like I you know, passed up on him in uh, fantasy. But that's neither here nor there. And Nick Bosa and the uh, pass rush looks tough to stop. Our offensive line absolutely has their work cut out for them. Yeah, and one thing to note too, Nick, in this game, I think Robbie Gold's already missed a couple field goals. So if we have an opportunity for our special teams and Bones to get a little bit creative with a play call, 
and block a kick or block a punt, that's going to bring a, a lot of a, really a lot of good that, things. That we haven't seen any fakes yet. Yeah, so, I know. You know. I think that it's time to drop open up that the playbook. for me. If we're down early in this game, don't be surprised if you see a fake. Yeah, I, I think that that's a good prop bet. I think that the special teams needs to figure out a way to get creative and make a play and you know potentially put some points on the board. We haven't seen that yet in five weeks. We saw it a couple times early on in the season last year, but different year. Yeah, completely different year. So that's just kind of where we stand right now. I, Ten and six to me is. Scary, but you know what? Ten and six teams have gone on to win the Super Bowl. So, if I get to watch some playoff football, I, you know, more than one game, I would be happy. Yep, me too. Me and too. that being said, um, let's move on to my favorite segment, your favorite segment, uh, my mom's favorite segment. Going to move on to Nick's picks. All right, before we jump into Nick's picks, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor, my bookie. <laughs> Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five, keeping your eating and dining area clean helps keep your mind on the dinner party and not on the cleanup afterwards. Viva paper towels clean like cloth, trapping splatters and sauces that could become countertop stains or stuck on messes. And they're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. For an exceptional cloth like paper towel, there's Viva. Visit vivatowels.com to soak up the clean feeling of home. Next picks of the week. Brought to you by Chips Ahoy. What is up, everybody? It is Nick. We are back, and for once, I actually bet on every one of my picks this week. And it's going to come down to a Browns victory for us to stay positive. But I believe that is in the cards. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> okay. But anyway, uh, the football gods might smile upon me for my birthday as they did last year, like we talked about with um, with the Rams win over the Seahawks. And maybe we'll see some green. Uh, you know, for all we know, if I fail or not, we're having fun either way. Uh, <laughs> hopefully we can retain some solid Nick pick performance and continue our positive 3-2 record. A la the Rams. Not perfect, but not bad either. So the Rams lost. Uh, Carolina won. Uh, the Giants lost. Uh, the Eagles covered M1, which was one of my picks. And the Browns is still TBD. Uh-huh. So we're rolling and rocking and keeping the door knocking. And before we get a Nick pick or five, we need a Dean Lock of the Week, if you care to jive. So well, Dean is tentatively undefeated until the results of this Brown game. Yeah, it's not looking good. Did yeah, I take the Browns? As, but Nick? as of now, Dean's locks are just that, guaranteed locks. Did I take the so Browns Dean, to cover or win outright? I think I took them to win outright. Two. I took the Browns, I think, last week to win outright over the Niners. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I, honestly, it's not even fair for me to choose my lock of the week to be New England over the Jets. I just don't think that that's – or the Giants, I'm sorry. I just don't think that that's a fair game for, for me to pick. I'm going to make it a little bit more difficult. Um, and as I scroll down and, and look at the spreads in the game, I think that I'm loving Philadelphia over Minnesota. I think okay. the, the birds in Minnesota are dogs. That is absolutely insane. I love Philly outright. Yeah, okay, good, 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 good. Um, so let's just hop into next picks. Uh, I love going for the Thursday night games. I'm currently 4-1 and one in Thursday night games. Thanks a lot, Greg the Leg. And actually, <laughs> you know what, Dean? Can we uh, can we go back and clip my final score prediction from last week, Dean? Can we do that? Can, can we call the editors in to do some magic for us and just sprinkle that last week's, you know, Arthur flashback music? Yeah, sure. All right. Flashback to Nick's picks. 
My first pick of the week, it's got to be Rams versus Hawks. I know I usually save the Rams for last, but you know what? I love it right now because the Rams are actually underdogs, my brother Dean, but only by one point, even though both teams huh. are 3-1 and the game is in Seattle, which I think is a testament to how strong they are as a complete team on every side of the ball, the Rams. Similar to the Eagles, the Rams and the Hawks are in this season have been in every game until the last play which is why I feel like this game is going to be absolutely Looney Tunes. Lots of laughs to be had in the big, enormous plays and probably a lot of big play blunders, not to mention the head battle between which team has the better season. <laughs> Hog season! Webbit season! Duck season! Fire! Hog season! Fire! Uh, both <laughs> these teams have played each other hard all of my life. Uh, I can say that is true. Even in the dark Jaguar ages, we could always count on the Fisher Rams to get their two of their five victories over Seattle. Even when the Seattle team went to the Super Bowl twice, the Rams had a, a record victory both of those times. But all of a sudden, we're in a challenging division. And whatever team loses this game is in for a rude awakening. San Francisco will be undefeated until at least Monday night, thanks to a bye. So whatever team loses will be in third place. So, yeah. Uh, 33 to 30. Great the leg. Save us at the buzzer. What the heck happened? It was so close to being on the nose for that game. My goodness. Oh, Greg, I still love you. You know this. Your family knows this. But yes, my soul is a little hurt. Sue me, Ramily. Anyway, let's move on to the Thursday night game of this week, which is New York versus New England. And I'll be the first to admit I was wrong about the Giants last week. And I was wrong about the Vikings, which I'll touch on later. But one thing everybody was right about was that the Patriots are the best team in the league and might go undefeated, like we talked about. God, the final score was like 33-7. to uh, The Redskins were defeated so pathetically, it cost Jay Gruden his job. So we got a somewhat rivalry on our hands, though, you know, between uh, New York and New England. And I'm not going to lie, it must be hard for Eli to watch Brady do so well and continue playing while he sits on the bench. Eli to the Steelers, I'm just saying, make it happen. One-year deal. It would be really awesome. Eli and... Uh, black and yellow. Uh, I digress. The game is in Foxborough, <laughs> which is already difficult for our poor, poor Giants. Brady has never lost to a rookie QB in his home turf. Real fact. And the Giants' D is poopy, which is also a fact. Uh, Diggs was bouncing off the Giants' D like they were jello last week. So it's very likely that New England will smoke these guys, which is why Vegas has the spread at New York at plus 17. Wow. Which I Yeah, plus 17. Which I kind of like. I think the Pats are due for a loss. I say it every week, but it's true. Um, which is, you know, kind of, which is kind of like, you know, I think the Pats are just due for a loss. <laughs> I think the Giants are capable of covering a spread. So my pick is Giants cover 17-point spread, 33-20. to 20, New England wins handsomely and fudging moves to 5-0. and 0. Okay. Yeah, I can't stand New England. What's next? Um, What's next is Seattle at Cleveland. So both of these teams played our Rams rather tough. Seattle being the only one to eke out the victory at the end of the day, while the Rams D actually looked like a strong team, uh, team against uh, Cleveland. LOL that, Dean. Remember when we thought we had a solid defense? Now we look like the flipping Chiefs. 54 points we gave up to the Bucks. We gave up 54 points to the Bucks. It hurts. Uh, it hurts. Yeah, well, regardless, we will prevail like the principal of PS118. Dean, can we get a uh, clip of that? The principal yeah. from uh, Hey Arnold? You can't ask for the clips. They just pop in. I will prevail. I will not fail. All right, well, you know, thank you. Thank you. I hope it's there. 
honestly. How can you not think Russell is, isn't going to win this game after his performance last week against us? I mean, the guy played like a damn rap god. Rap god. Uh, he's usually good for some jukes and jabs here and there, but Donald often gets him a couple times. That just didn't happen. There were way too many misses on our part, and he just found so many ways to dance in the pocket like Steve Perry or Matthew Perry. Uh, I, used to, I used to compare Wentz to, to Cam Newton, and everyone hated that. But I wonder how Eagles fans would feel about, the, about a Wentz and Russell comparison. But I digress. I really, really want Cleveland to win, and I think they are capable of it. As long as the ball doesn't fall in Baker's little hands all game and Chubb steps it up, Laundry and Odell haven't been the Bash Brothers everyone thought they would be. But look, they are a real team. Uh, same record as us right now. And actually, no, they're 2-2. Two and two, And I'm just hopefully thinking that they have a win. Uh, they have a lot of positive energy on their side if they, if they lose so dramatically uh, tonight. And even though I, uh, I'm betting here with my heart and not my head because I really, really want Seattle to lose, I'm taking Brown's money line. Final score, 30 to 23 Browns win it. The money line ain't out yet, but I'm sure that payout will be rather juicy. Maybe plus 200? Who knows? Okay. I'm going to take the under on the Browns wins this year because I hate what I'm watching tonight. Keep going. All right. So Atlanta at Arizona. Um, Cardinals managed to pull their first win out of their ass. Donkey, not but. <laughs> uh, sorry, Disney. By beating the Bengals. Whoa, whoa. Congratulations, and even then, barely. Sheesh. I mean, Kyle Murray, to me, is just jarring to watch. It legitimately, it, it looks like a child. Pablo Sanchez. He, yeah, he does, yeah, Pablo Sanchez. He does not look like he belongs. And Atlanta's kind of becoming more like the Titans than ever before, a team that you really just have no idea what you're going to get week to week. I mean, beat the Eagles one game and lose to the Texans in a spectacular manner. This team, uh, where the it's a team where the whole equals less than the sum of its parts. Matt Ryan can only do so much for these guys. The Falcons are barely favored in this game, which is kind of sad. I mean, the game is in Atlanta, but I still think they are a tough team. By no means a rollover team. Nicky's taking the Falcons to cover on this one on a one and a half point spread. Final score twenty one to seven. Falcons gain some confidence before they play the Rams. Okay. Great! Wow, I'm surprised that game's a one and a half point spread. I know. Like, I really think the Falcons are going to step it up and just crunch them. Fair. Fair. Yeah. So so then the, then the last game is, is, is Dean's Lock. Philly at Minnesota. And to me, it's the game of the week right here. I think this is just going to be a lot of fun. If the game was in Philly, I'd take the Eagles to win and cover whatever potential spread that would be. Probably would be like three to five. But it's not. It's in Minnesota. Oh, my lanta. This is going to be close. <laughs> so I made the bold prediction that the Vikings were going to fall to the mediocre Giants last week. And I was wrong. I was dead wrong. Uh, Kirk came out hot against a bad defense in a quiet 1 o'clock slot. You know, that's like right up his alley. And these freaking Vikings, man, just not doing it for me this year. Every time I bet with them, they lose. Every time I bet against them, they win. Arg! Maybe I should just say I'm <laughs> I'm betting them and then secretly secret not. Okay. It's not a bad plan. Yeah. Uh, the Eagles coming off a strong win, too. I mean, in my opinion, to the worst team in the NFL, the Jets. So they have some confidence in their step. And they're underdogs. And everyone knows when the Eagles are underdogs, you got to send them some love. I mean, who is the better team here? Both of them have B to C tier defenses. Vikings have more weapons, in my opinion. But Wentz outplays Kirk nine times out of ten. Ten out of ten. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, no, 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 no. Nine out of ten. Because uh, the Vikings actually beat the Eagles at home last year. Hmm. Uh, yeah. I've forgotten. And, yeah. But anyway... 
the the one edge is that Minnesota is home, but I don't care. I just don't care. I just think the birds are dogs. I'm taking birds money line. Screw the spread. Uh, 29-32, Eagles pulled out thanks to Jakey Elliott, boy. <laughs> so we got New York to cover a 17-point spread. Okay. Uh, Cleveland's taking the W. Okay. Arizona uh, with the W, and, and they cover. Okay. Philly W. And Nick's quick pick, come on. You know I'm taking the Rams to cover the spread, whatever it might be. Okay. But, I mean, I, I don't even know if the Rams, like, could they be dogs at home? Yeah, I don't know. I would avoid betting the Rams. I, I, I'm not. I never do. If I was a fan of the Rams, as I am, I wouldn't bet them. Just because I'm it would make bet, me double I'm, mad. I'm taking the Rams big time money line. I mean, it's probably going to be really close. The Rams are probably going to be favored by one point. So I'm taking the Rams to cover. I don't even know if they're going to be favorites. I, I, they, they could be dogs at home. They could be dogs at home against a 4-0 uh, San Francisco team because it does not look good for the Browns. But, you know, that's those are my picks. Take them as you will. I got a lot of dogs this week. I got a cover. I got a weird New York cover. Uh, but, hey, Dean, thanks for listening to Nick's Picks. Of course. Nick's Picks are getting even better every single time around. I hope that uh, you know I could, I could print out your card, make all the same bets as you, and follow the money because that's what you're showing us. You're just teaching us how to follow the money. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying. I think I'm doing okay. I'm, my record is a little, uh, it's a little above. Uh, negativity. I'm probably like a 60% uh, win rate, so that's good to me. Yeah, well, Nikki is winning and not the house, so it could be a, a first in gambling history. But we'll, <laughs> we will see as uh, you know as the, uh, the the future unfolds. But anyway, Ramley, we wanted to thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Rams Brothers the Pod. Uh, Nick and I wanted to bring to your attention this jersey giveaway contest. Um, so if you leave a five-star review on Rams Talk and you screenshot the review and send it over to Derek at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com, you will enter to be a member in and a you know, contestant to win a jersey, a Rams signed jersey. Um, then more details will be on the website, so go ahead and check check that out. Can I do this and leave a review? Yeah, sure. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I think you can. Think you, no, I don't know. no, I really hope they wouldn't I don't, let me do that. I don't think you would be a valid contestant. Yeah. Unfortunately. But also, Ramley, if there is something about the podcast that you know you guys are not not absolutely loving, or there are some things that you think we can make some tweaks on or some feedback that you have for us, please send us an email at ramsbrotherstepod at gmail.com. Uh, we would be happy to hear all of your feedback and talk about anything that you know you guys do not like about the pod or that you're loving about the pod and you want to hear more of. Uh, we're happy to jump into all that stuff with you guys. So just let us know. Instead of leaving a comment on Rams Talk or on Apple Podcasts, uh, it's a cool opportunity to talk to us directly and address anything that you guys might not be loving. So yeah, yeah, because you know, you know, my brother and myself, we the the reason that we did this was really just to be a part of the a part of the Rams community and. Any kind of voice that we hear from you guys is uh, is great. So thank you so much for listening, everybody. Um, stay tuned next week. We're going to have a great guest. Dean, who's our guest this week? Our guest next week will be Steve Mason of ESPN LA. Oh, wow. And then this week it's, uh, it's just you and I. This week it's just you and I for back-to-back episodes. Wow. People are so lucky. <laughs> 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 definitely not but next week we're going to be bringing on an awesome guest in steve mason 
Um, Steve is working for ESPN LA. He does a radio show. There's a couple other things that he's been focusing on throughout his career that's all revolving around the Rams, around LA sports. Uh, I believe he's an LA native as well. So uh, we're pretty excited to hear from him. I'm excited for the Ramley to hear from them. But other than that, guys, thank you so much for spending time with us and listening to Rams Brothers the Pod. I, I just have one thing left to say. Go ahead. Bring out that beautiful, loving King K. Rule music and do not forget to keep your hopes high, guys. We have so much football left in this year. King K. Rule will sing you out with love. Yep. Remember, guys, it's a marathon. Go get them, King K. Rule. Go get them, Rams. Peace, Thank Ramley. Thank you, King <laughs> Cut. <laughs> You know, I, I just, you know, he just missed it, you know, and, uh, you know, we have a lot of confidence in Greg. It's one kick. He's made a lot of big kicks for us. He'll continue to make a lot of big kicks for us. And uh, there was a lot of plays in this game. You know, one play will never really determine the outcome. I know that was the final one, but I thought there was a lot of really good things on both sides of the ball. I think with the group of guys we have, we, it won't. I think, you know, it's, we're, we're still 3-2. and two. We're in a good spot. And um, like you said, though, we've been on the right side of those more times than not in the last couple of years. And, it's part of the game, and you know we still obviously love Greg, and it's not a kicker I'd rather have in the league. You know, he's, he's you know, one of the top guys in the league, and um, have so much faith in him in any, in any situation. So we got a lot of football left. Uh, the season never stops after five games. It's been two disappointing weeks for us, uh, but I can promise you that we'll find a way to bounce back. Uh, our team is mentally tough. We're resilient, and we got a great team coming up when we get back from this thing. So uh, it's disappointing, but uh, we'll stay connected and we'll find a way to respond. I trust that. NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of the lake is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh, my goodness. Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed.